Good morning, my name is Pastor Lindsay, and I am so excited to be sharing with you on Avenue's word for the year, overflow. Now, overflow is not some fancy or traditional Christian word. It's a word that we believe God is uniquely speaking over us for the year of 2020. What does it mean? Overflow means to to flow over the brim, to be so full that its contents are going over or extend above the sides. That's what we're believing for. John 10.10 says that the thief only comes for this, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, Jesus, I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it's overflowing. So what are we doing? We're preparing ourselves for what God has planned through fasting, prayer, reading and memorizing scriptures. We are getting our hearts and our lives ready for overflow. So if you haven't jumped in on the fast yet, guess what? You still have time. We're going strong through the 15th of January. So get on Facebook, check out our daily devotionals. On our website, we've got great resources. So you can actually text right now, get out your cell phones and text the word fast to 702-727-8280 to receive daily encouragement. So hop on and join us. It's definitely not too late. Let's jump right now into our message overflow today. I love God's word. And I have to say, um, I'm an OT kind of a person, and I don't mean overtired. Well, yes, oftentimes overtired. That's why I really appreciate the free coffee at Avenue Church at our coffee bar. Um, But when I say OT, I'm actually meaning Old Testament. Let's check out this scripture from Zechariah chapter 1. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The towns of Israel will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem as his own. See, the towns of Israel will again overflow. Do you know what that means? It meant that at that moment, at that specific time, Israel was not overflowing. This book was written at a time when God's people were very far away from him. He's speaking to a group of people whose forefathers, hear me, that word just means the generations before them had completely disobeyed God. They neglected the warnings. They forfeited the blessings and they did their own thing. But, but here's Zechariah, and an angel of the Lord tells him to speak to the generations that are living now and tell them that I'm bringing an overflow of prosperity. See, this just goes to show you something, that you don't have to live how generations before you lived. Some of you are blessed, guys. You were so blessed to grow up in a home that lived out biblical values, faith in God, love and respect for one another. But unfortunately, that's not everybody's story. Often abuse has been passed down. Addictions have been passed down. No faith, no moral upbringing. That's what a lot of people grew up with. But there is hope that if the lives before you looked nothing like like what God had intended, overflow can start with you. Overflow can start with me. That's an amazing place, come on, to say amen. God is going to make a switch from old practices old behaviors, and he's going to do a new thing and it's going to overflow in you and through you. That's so exciting. Zachariah said God is bringing an overflow of prosperity. Now let's be honest. (laughs) When I say prosperity, what comes to your mind? Money, 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 right? It's all about money. You think prosperity equals money. Oh my city, oh my generation, it's gonna overflow in money. Can I tell you that that is actually limiting prosperity? It's not defining it at all. Prosperity is success that comes to those who've been active in achieving it. Prosperity is experienced when God's supernatural favor and blessing 
they meet our efforts. It's not a gift that just comes out of nowhere. It's, it's the indescribable favor of God that links up and partners with the efforts of those who are working towards something. I want you to write this down. If I want a life that God can prosper, I need to increase my efforts. I need to increase my efforts. Can I ask you a tough question? If you had to rate yourself, rate your effort on a scale of one to 10 and how much you give of it on a regular basis, how would you score yourself? How much effort do you give at work? What about with the family? How much effort do you put into school if you're a student? How much effort is given to your marriage? And most importantly, how much effort is given into your relationship with God? What about serving at church? How would you rate yourself? I told you that was a a hard question. Are you giving it your best or are you just getting by? Do I bring something to the table or do I just show up to eat? See, I told you (laughs) that's a hard question, but effort is a key component of success. Prosperity is success that comes to those who've been active in achieving it. Prosperity is experienced when God's supernatural favor and blessing meet the efforts of what we're doing. There's a story in the Bible about Abraham. Now, if you're using the one-year Bible plan on the YouVersion app, like many of us are doing, you've probably already been introduced to Abraham by now. In Genesis 24, we find that Abraham is nearing his death and his son Isaac has not yet been married. Now, if you're married in this room, I need you to think back to a time when you were single. And to all my single friends out there today, I got to tell you this because you can relate to this. How many times have you been asked, when are you going to get married? Do you even want to get married? Hey, when are you going to start dating so you can finally get married, right? Just last week, Jeremy and I, we were playing the game of life with our eight-year-old son, Levi. And it was Levi's turn to spin and he landed on the spot that says, stop, it's time to get married. And he looks over at me and he says, I'm not getting married. Mom, I don't have to get married. And I asked him, well, Levi, don't you want kids? Now, hear me, I want to be a grandma one day, but in regards to the game of life, no joke, you get $50,000 per child if you have children in the game of life. So you need to prosper in the game of life to win at the end. So I asked Levi, don't you want children? And my eight-year-old, he looks at his daddy, he looks at Jeremy, and then he looks at me and he says, I can adopt. And he takes that little pink wife peg and he chucks it back into the box. (laughs) Abraham called his most trusted servant and said this in Genesis 24, three, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women, right? To all you moms out there, you dads, you're like, don't be marrying some crazy ladies. So go instead to my homeland and to my relatives and find a wife there for my son, Isaac. The servant asked, but what if I can't get a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to be among your relatives in the land that you come from? And Abraham responded, no, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and brought me from my native land, he solemnly promised to give me this land, to give this land to my descendants. Now we have to understand that God set Abraham and his wife, Sarah, apart. God spoke to Abraham years and years ago, and he told him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. God had a blessing for him that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They couldn't be counted. 
So God was going to bless the lineage of Abraham. What does that mean? It means that Isaac was his miracle baby. And through Isaac, God's promises to this couple was going to come about. And see, Isaac's at home and he's single and he needs a wife to fulfill what God's promise to Abraham was. So scripture continues, he will send his angel ahead of you and he will see to it that you find a wife for my son. If she's unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances, do not take my son there. And so the servant agreed and he promised to do everything that Abraham asked. He loaded up 10 camels with all kinds of expensive gifts to set out on the journey. Now, come on, there are people that would not even consider taking a road trip because it's too much effort to pack everything up and everyone up, get them all in the car, right? This man didn't have an SUV. He had camels, 10 of them, that couldn't just pull into a gas station, swipe a credit card, and fill her up. (laughs) Like, no, we're talking 10 animals, 10 personalities, 10 mouths to feed, hear me, and 500 miles to go. Abraham asked the man to go back to his hometown, which was 500 miles away. See, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we actually miss the cost. It's a disservice often to us reading the Bible because we miss the sweat, we miss the blood, the tears, the doubt, the frustrations, because you change the page and then all of a sudden the story's over or you read the next chapter and boom, it's all done. See, we don't just do that with the Bible, we do that with friends, celebrities, athletes, pastors, other men and women in the same field of us. We look at IG accounts, we look at Facebook, and we look at what they have accomplished but we don't see the cost. And that's the unfortunate thing, is that we don't know what it took for somebody to get where they are today. We don't know the effort. 500 miles on foot by camel. 500 miles not knowing what the outcome could be. Abraham gave him an out. We gotta remember that, guys. If you look back at the scripture, Abraham said, hey, if she's unwilling to come back, you are free from this oath of mine. This servant could have lied. He could have traveled, let's say a hundred miles, right? Let's put in some effort. And he could have vacationed for several weeks with all those expensive gifts that were on those camels. He could have excused himself from the extra work and said, you know what? I couldn't find, I couldn't find a woman to come back with me. And he could have been removed from the oath, but he doesn't lie. He doesn't make an excuse. He actually arrives at his destination and he intentionally goes to a well where he knows that young women are going to be drawing water out of. That's effort, friends. That's intentional effort and a plan. And this is what he do. He, he prays this. Oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside this spring. I love it. He's telling God, hey, God, I'm standing beside this spring. And all these young women of the town are coming here to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink of your jug. And if she says, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I'll know that you will show unfailing love to my master. Friends, that's exactly what happened. A young woman named Rebecca, a relative of Abraham's extended family, came to the well and she offered not only water to the man, but she also offered to water the 10 camels. Effort. Effort. Imagine the effort that it took to feed 10 camels. 
That's dozens and dozens of trips with the jars of water in order to quench the thirst of 10 thirsty animals. Genesis 24, 21 says this, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the Lord has prospered his journey. I love that. Can I tell you friends that you don't know who is watching your work. You don't know when you're, when you're putting in effort, you may think that, that no one is seeing the effort, that all your work and all your time and everything that you're doing is going unseen. But can I tell you, you don't know if one day somebody might be watching you intentionally because you may be the answer to that person's prayer. You may be a part of God's purpose at that moment, at that time. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord, not for men. See, you may feel that your, your employer isn't worth the effort or your job isn't worth the effort, but can I tell you, do it unto the Lord. If you find yourself in frustration in your workplace or frustration in your school, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray for purpose because when we see purpose attached to our efforts, we actually increase our efforts. Write this down. Pray for purpose. I need to pray for purpose. See, we hear it all the time at Avenue. Each of us is designed with a unique purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe, as a man, as a woman, as a young person, as a child, do you believe that God has specific plans for you? Do you believe that he created you with purpose inside of you? Or are you just passing through life? You're just making it through another day. You're working for just another paycheck. See, I don't believe that I stumbled into ministry. I never sat at a career day in high school and thought, hey, I could be a pastor one day. Goodness gracious, not by the way that I was living back then. I didn't even know Jesus. See, it was August of 2002, the summer after I graduated, that I realized my need for a savior. And I was fed up with living the, the way that I had led my life so far. And I made the decision to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus to stop doing what I was doing and to start following him. You see, my first job as a Christian that I wasn't being employed by my family was actually at a slot machine repair shop. I was 19 years old. Come on, people. We live in Las Vegas. You cannot be surprised by that. Okay, I worked at a slot machine repair shop. And I was handling a sales department at 19 years old. I was selling parts to machines that I wasn't even old enough to play on. But see, God was teaching me something. He was teaching me to communicate at a level with people who are older than me, people that had more experience than me. God was training me. My second job was as a leasing agent at an elderly community home. God was using that time to build my heart for people. He was birthing compassion in me, slowing my speech. I was a, you think I'm a fast talker now? You should have seen me at 20 and 21 years old. I was a motor mouth and God was slowing my speech down. At 21 years old, I was offered an assistant management role with my own apartment. What 21 year old wouldn't want their paid independence, right? But it wasn't my purpose. It was a season of learning. So let me tell you this real quick. You may be thinking where I'm at, it's not my ultimate purpose. 
Friends, I've had so many jobs, so many seasons in my life where I wasn't doing specifically what I was called to do in the future. But God says, do not forsake small beginnings. Don't forsake those moments where God is growing you and molding you. The tools that I learned in my teens and my early 20s prepared me for ministry. Who knew that I would ever enter into a school of ministry? Who had a clue that I would be called to be a pastor? I didn't have a clue. My parents didn't have a clue, but God knew all along. See, God prospers purpose and our efforts help to discover that purpose. Our efforts grow that purpose. Hear me, that's why we love Growth Track at Avenue Church. I learn more about who I am. I learn about how God can use me for his praise and his glory. And I get to discover my purpose. Now, I didn't discover my purpose overnight. Okay, I was not a one night wonder. Uh, But the, the more I learned about God and his great love for me is the more that I found freedom from my past. And when I found freedom from my past, I was able to discover more and more the purpose that God has for me. And hear me. I'm still discovering new things. I'm not the same Lindsay as I was in my 20s. And in my 40s, I'm not going to be the same Lindsay as I am now in my mid-30s. See, overflow is not effortless. Isaac married Rebecca. God fulfilled everything he said to Abraham, but it wasn't effortless. Check out James 2.17. It says this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Overflow is a working partnership of our faith and God's favor. It takes effort. Verse 12, but going back to Jeremiah 29, 11, we heard that you know, God has plans for us to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope in a future. But verse 12, just after he says this, he says this, then you will call on me and you're going to come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're setting apart this time to seek the face of God. We're seeking him through prayer. We're seeking him with all of our hearts. And God says, I'm going to listen to you. You know what fasting allows? It allows me to check my attitude. God, what's the condition of my heart? And hear me, if you want to go to the practical things, Fasting also helps me check my abilities. If you feel frustrated in the season that you are at, maybe you need to increase your capacity. If you're working in a job that the job responsibilities outweigh the experience that you have, go get more training. Go back to school. Get some education. Learn. See, I don't earn God's love. I don't ever want you guys to think that. Salvation is a free gift of God through grace. It's not something that we earn. It's a gift of God. So none of us can boast. But hear me. I am accountable. You are accountable for what we do with what he gave me. So hear me today, friends. We're going to close here in just a moment. Would you please stand with me today? I want to pray for you very specifically. But before I do, let me share with you a scripture that has steered my heart for a very long time. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, see, I told you I'm an OT girl. I love the Old Testament. It says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the entire earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart are completely or is completely his. You know what that means? That means God is actively looking from heaven and he's looking for hearts that are completely his. He's looking for hearts that he can strongly support 
that he can prosper purpose in them. You may be here today living life with a heart that is not completely God's. See, 18 years ago, this August, I gave my heart completely over to God. I never could have imagined that 18 years later, I would be standing here in front of you, doing what I'm doing, living the life that I'm living. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Will you get on board? God is saying, will you trust me? I've got plans to prosper you, but I need you to meet me halfway. Will you accept my invitation? And God's invitation is salvation. See, Jesus gave his life on a cross because he knew that you and I could never live the perfect life that would allow us to stand in the presence of God. You and I had no rights before Jesus Christ to be able to go to God and make requests, to ask him to bless us, to prosper us, to be in relationship with us because our sins separated us from God. But Jesus gave everything that he had on a cross, shed his blood so that you and I could stand in front of God, could be here on this earth, making requests, making relationship, being in a loving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you are here today, and you can feel your heart literally being pulled in the direction of God. And you're saying, Lindsay, I don't know what this is. I cannot describe it. But I know that today is different for me. And I have to do something about it. I would love the opportunity to walk you through a prayer, asking God to come into your life. At Avenue, we pray this out loud and together every single week as a church family. So would you please do me a favor? Repeat this after me. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for paying for what I did. Today, I receive your forgiveness. Be Lord of my life. Come on, be number one. With all my heart, the best way I know how, I'm gonna live for you. I ask that you would show me who I am. You say, I am saved. Come on. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. Make that real and apparent to me today. In Jesus' name, amen.